Welcome to all of you who want to live healthier, longer lives, much, much longer lives. And of course, everyone else too. This is the Longevity Now podcast. It was almost three years ago when we first spoke with Johnny Adams as he was beginning his leadership at the Gerontology Research Group. A lot has happened since then, including many new opportunities for self-experimentation with new anti-aging therapeutics. Listen in to find out the many ways in which Johnny is now tackling the disease of aging. And now I would like to welcome to the Longevity Now podcast, Johnny Adams from the Borhany Medical Research Foundation, the GRG, a real passionate person in the area of reversing aging, helping everyone to live some happier, healthier lives. Welcome to the program, Johnny. Well, thank you, Justin, and hello, listeners. Yeah, you know what? Since the last time we talked, what progress is being made in the creation of aging interventions? Name a couple of areas where you think there's quite a bit of progress. Well, Justin, let, let me first say some of our members have taken on an extremely difficult challenge of trying to get institutions, governments, and people to see things differently and change. And it's much harder than, than what I'm doing. And if you interview them, they might say little or none, or maybe we're moving backward. Now, I usually only work with people who want progress, so it makes it a lot easier from the start. Now, up until about maybe 18 months ago or so, the, the creation of aging solutions seemed to be moving at a slow glacial pace. And I thought, well, okay, this is what I do. I'll stay true to course, you know, cure aging or die trying. And if nothing else, it's also damn interesting. But around 14 to 18 months, things started accelerating on multiple fronts. And I started learning about multiple initiatives and people starting up research for aging therapies and solutions and gaining momentum. And uh, this is the real important part, seeing some tangible results in my own circle of associates. And also I started hearing more about how the general population people you know, uh, are becoming more aware of new opportunities for solving aging, therefore becoming more interested and some of them even supporting our mission. Well, that's great. Uh, you, so you kind of hinted at the fact that the, the political angle, progress in trying to, you know, convince the government that uh, aging interventions are real and uh, could be a, a huge benefit to society, that's kind of going slow. But uh, you would say that uh, the actual medical aspect of it, some of the experiments going on have been very, uh, have been progressing quite a bit. Well, I would say yes, and it has to do with personally doing and taking responsibility for advancements and not expecting government and institutions to do it for us. Yeah, and you know, some people might wonder then, uh, what specific aging intervention research have you been involved in? Well, may I first discuss the, the several categories? In one form or another, to varying degrees, I'm, I'm involved in all of them, but research in initiatives, first and foremost, to directly answer your question, the longevity initiative that you're leading, uh, Justin, uh, has an outstanding proposal um, 
about offering aging biomarking, biomarker testing yes. to members to find out how well the therapies they're using are actually working and hopefully communicate the results to the community. And uh, as you know, I'm, I'm helping with that, and I look forward uh, to becoming more active in the longevity community down in the future. Now, there is a, another category of what I'll call institutional research, like that done at universities. You know, a lot of that is often basic animal research and not my main interest, but um, they're often the most sophisticated, so uh, they're advancing, and I, I pay attention. So uh, some of this kind of research is often presented at major conferences, like the International Association of Gerontology and uh, Geriatrics, or Gerontological Society of America, or American Aging Association. And you go to these high-level conferences, and you hear people like Steve Horvath, who is the creator of the epigenetic clock for DNA methylation, and also James Kirkland of the Mayo uh, Clinic, uh, near Barzilai, who's championing, championing the TAME study, and uh, some others. And, um, you know, with them, we're hearing things that we just didn't hear a few, a few years ago. We hear words like aging interventions, and, you know, also something that's a key component, uh, phrases like one treatment uh, affecting uh, or treating or intervening in multiple diseases, and others like that. So, you know, I, I, if we listen closely, we're seeing a shift in that high-level institution arena. However, sure. it is you know, moving at a glacial pace. So what's going on at a faster pace? Well, the Rescue Elders initiatives, there are multiple trials going on now with a variety of treatments. Many of them um, are well-designed with investigational review boards, which is one of the hallmarks of a well-designed study. And um, it's expected that the results of a couple of these will be released soon. And I'm helping with Rescue Elders and um, really advancing um, uh, what they're doing. Now, one uh, member of our community, Liz Parrish, and her company, BioViva, has reported outstanding objective improvements in measurements uh, associated with aging and uh, age-related decline or shifting towards youth using gene therapy. Yeah. Many of our listeners are familiar with uh, BioViva. Well, you know, there's a lot of right. categories uh, of progress here and a lot of different ways that, you know, aging intervention is advancing. What treatments and therapies do you plan for your own self-directed age management? Well, uh, for me, personally, uh, umbilical cord plasma is high on my list and there's if you go to clinicaltrials.gov there's a uh, kind of a landmark study where the disease condition they are seeking to treat is aging and it's zero three two two nine seven eight five but also um, the microbiome uh, using probiotics and prebiotics when I uh, learned about how the microbiome affects DNA methylation um, and uh, some other things. I started paying close attention to this. So we have a uh, our own 
gerontology research group, special interest group that is studying this, but also multiple nutritional supplements. I plan to do more with that. And that some, you know, listeners may think that's kind of basic, but it's how you combine them and doses and the effects of combination is important, but also senolytics, bisatinib and quercetin. I plan to start that to, to start on that, and then others later. Uh, GDF11, uh, J47 would be nice. I have in mind to revisit the effects of HGH, and a, one a friend in our community is will soon be testing and offering a liposomal wrapped preparation of an anti-inflammatory mix, and that would allow for more direct absorption of the anti-inflammatory herbs into our system. And I plan to, to try that with before and after inflammation markers. Okay. Now, you're planning on trying a few new things here coming up soon. Uh, what you've done so far, how would you just say anecdotally, how does it make you feel? Do you think that you feel um, more energetic or you feel like you've kind of arrested aging a little bit? That's a difficult question because I I default to kind of what seeking, requiring, demanding, uh, objective measures sure. in the form of, of lab work. Okay. And I, I can read you know read to you a list of categories, but yeah, how we feel is important. How how you know uh, how we feel our energy is, how much our enjoyment of life is, uh, you know, how much work we can do. Um, all all the, those subjective measures, I mean, it's really kind of the bottom line that we're seeking. But, you know, the placebo effect uh, rears its ugly head and can be very deceptive. And I've noticed that um, how, how good you feel is uh, proportionate to how much money you're spending and how much time you're spending on a therapy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I want to um, shift gears just a little bit. We did have one listener question, uh, and if you don't have uh, the exact data or answer here, that's no problem. Um, uh, it was in regard to Alzheimer's, and if there was any application for rapamycin to alleviate Alzheimer's symptoms. Oh, good question. I uh, you would have to uh, consult someone who's actively studying rapamycin okay. with clinical experience in that. I know Alan Green in New Jersey, one of my um, associates, uh, made a trip uh, to consult with him and get on his program. And uh, I will say, you know, not to, to answer a different question, well, that, that, you, that you asked, that sure. rapamycin is kind of interesting. I've heard positive results from two of my close associates, but the third one, uh, who I just mentioned, had negative effects. He caught a cold shortly after, and he started looking bad, and he got over it fairly quickly because he's doing some other things. But that reminds me again of a whole different sidebar of how different people react differently, both positively and negatively, to different therapies, different dosages, different combinations, etc. And that's a whole, whole different question. 
but it's worthy of consideration. Yeah. Now, you are obviously are familiar and you have your hands in many pots as far as aging intervention goes. Any particular supplement or treatment that you're doing right now or that you just kind of have come across recently or that uh, research you're involved in that kind of combats Alzheimer's? Or are most of the treatments kind of a basic, you know, wide-ranging intervention in aging itself. But uh, do you have any specific things you know about uh, Alzheimer's research or supplements that uh, can combat that? Well, I am aware of a major study by Tony Weiss-Corre at Stanford and a company that he co-founded called Alkahest that is using young plasma, you know, 18 to, to 21 uh, uh, you know, plasma derived from 18 to 21-year-olds to uh, study Alzheimer's. And he looked for information on that study as it progresses. But, um, you know, I, I, I will say, Justin, that just about any therapy that you embark on will have an effect on multiple systems in our body, including Alzheimer's, which is really insidious and gets at the core of our, our life and existence. Um, but in a way, uh, sorry, I can't give uh, a, a truly direct answer okay. to your question. Yeah, that's fine. Now. Yeah. And uh, Johnny, many of our listeners are also involved with a far more speculative kind of preservation of life in the future, and that is cryonics. Many of them are signed up for cryonics. Are you signed up for cryonics? Well, for me, nope. I know many people who are signed up, but for me, it's no plan B. It's do or die. <laughs> Put the pressure on yourself right now, right, <laughs> to get it done. But, uh, you know, I may sign up later, just between you and me and about <laughs> a thousand listeners out there. <laughs> Okay. Well, hey, you know, you're a big advocate for, of course, aging intervention, and many of the listeners are big advocates as well. Now, you've been out and about and met lots of people, talked to lots of different organizations. What is the most effective form of advocacy to change public opinion, in, in your opinion? Well, Justin, some of our associates have taken on the extremely challenging task uh, harder than what I'm doing and what many of us are doing, which is to try to get institutions, governments, and people to see things differently, put aside what they think is their, you know, in our opinion, rather short-sighted interest, and change and support uh, our mission. Um, you know, political adv you know, activism, advocacy, and all that is important. Uh, yeah, to my mind, it's kind of like turning around the Titanic in its dock, if you'll pardon my mixed metaphor there. You know, this often involves trying to change people with deep-seated beliefs and habits and institutions. And personally, I, I never found a way to do that, at least in, in the time frame that would fit within our lifetimes. But regarding messaging to the public, you know, I, I also hear that, you know, we have to find just the words that will convince lots of people to support our mission. Um, to that, you know, to both of those two concepts I just touched on, I suggest targeting or locating 
um, the you know using our limited time and money to focus precisely on the individuals, whether they're private parties or lawmakers who are predisposed to our message, uh, who will take action to help, and that that would be far more effective than mass me- messaging to try and convince people of something you know they're they're really not interested in. Now, regarding political activism, we have, uh, you know, political party and other central committees and organizations that, you know, have their own uh, deep-seated ways of doing things and networks and supporters. And um, that would be very, very difficult to to convince them. But in terms of, of those organizations to get to the decision makers in them somehow and present both a humanitarian message as well as a factual, specific, financial, and economic message that focuses on the benefits uh, to our economy and uh, uh, and to people uh, in our country, um, well, that that would be an approach that I might suggest taking. Well, uh, Johnny, I think uh, I can speak for a lot of people in the life extension community, healthy life extension advocates. We're lucky to have you on our side. Thank you for joining us on the Longevity Now podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. Bye, everybody. Between the GRG, the Aging Intervention Foundation, Rescue Elders, and many other endeavors, it is not hard to find a place where Johnny Adams is lending a hand. A good example for the rest of us if we want to see rejuvenation therapies arrive a little sooner. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.